All right, well, good morning, everyone. Well, don't say my name yet. Hi, I'm Caleb. Hey, nice to see everybody. Um, really grateful to have the opportunity to get started in this new series. Um, and also just going to mention my Michigan Wolverines real quick, just for a moment. Still undefeated. Thanks, Lord. Um, all right. Anyways, moving on. Um, I'm going to pray for us in just a second, but just to kind of set the heart of here's where we're at, here's where we're going. Um, this year, as a church, we set our, our kind of theme of the year. And, and what's really exciting is a lot of you have joined us along the journey of this year. But we, at the beginning of this year, kind of set the direction of our year to say we want to make the most of what we've been given. It's one of our core values here as a community. Make the most of what we've been given. And specifically, what we've been given by God, that we might know Him, that we might know and have relationship with one another, and that we might fulfill our purpose that God has given us in this world. So we've been working through this year and kind of examining different gifts that God gave us to have relationship with Him, with one another, and to fulfill our purpose and just asking, well, how can we make the most of those things? So whether that be scripture or community or grace as we just finished that series. Um, and for this one, we're talking about prayer. Prayer. That one of the things God has given us that he didn't have to give us, but something God gave us as a resource and as a gift so we could know him, so we could be better at relationships with one another and fulfill our purpose is fellowship with him. That the God of the universe has given us an invitation to speak to and even hear from him. Which, I don't know about you. Like, I grew up in church my whole life, and prayer is like just a thing we talked about. Like, you just pray. Oh, time to pray for the meal. It's weird. Right? Like, think about how crazy that is. Like, when I was a little tiny kid sitting out at the table, and my parents be like, oh, time to pray. And what they're saying is, let's explain it to me, all right? Hey, four-year-old Caleb, hey, we're about to sit down at this table— in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And while we're at this table, we're going to talk to the cosmic God of all things that created the universe and shaped you from nothing and reigns over all. And we're just going to talk to him for a minute before we eat. Like, that's, that's a wild thought, right? And I think that we never, sometimes we're afraid to say like, wow, that's weird. And here's what happens. Things that are actually weird that we don't talk about end up being things we don't understand. Right? Things that are weird that we feel like we can't talk about end up being things we don't understand. And the, the risk of that is when it's something like prayer that God has given us that we could know Him, then we can end up living our entire lives not understanding something that is oh so important. And listen, I'm not going to in 30 minutes explain prayer so we all understand it. I'm still trying to figure it out some. Hand up. But the hope of these next four weeks is that we would make more of it than we have been. Uh, Martin Luther in the 1500s, here's what he said about it. He said, to be a, and it's not on the slides, so no fears in the back. All right. He said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. I don't know about you. Anybody recently tried living without breathing? Probably none of us. Don't raise your hands. Anybody recently tried being a Christian without prayer? Don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. Right? The reality is a lot of us have strung days together, weeks together, months together, maybe even years together, where we have tried to be a Christian without the breath of the Christian life, which is prayer. All right, so we're going to be leaning into that today and for the weeks ahead. And um, so I just think about it. At this point, what are, you, what are you making of this gift? 
What are you doing with the gift of prayer in your life? And so don't feel condemned or beat down. Last night I went on a walk praying about the fact that I want to grow in my own life of utilizing this gift of prayer that I can know God more. Um, But for today, we're going to just anchor into uh, four foundational truths that influence the way we first come to prayer. So prayer doesn't start often. We learned, we memorized some prayers maybe when you were a kid, or you've tried to like figure out the prayers while you heard other people pray them, right? Um, I remember actually the Lord's Prayer, like I knew, which we'll talk about today. I knew I was supposed to know it, and I remember being one time in a room, and somebody started to lead it, and I was so glad they didn't ask me because I couldn't quite remember the words right. But I, so I would like, our Father, like as soon as they would start saying it, I'd say it to try to make sure I was saying all the right things. So we can think that prayer begins with knowing the right words. But it doesn't. Prayer actually begins with what we'll focus on today. It begins with how do we approach God and what comes to mind when we think about it? What do we think of as we come to pray? Because that has a lot of influence on how we experience it. So let's pray and then, because it makes sense to do, right? Let's talk to the cosmic ruler of the universe who created all things real quick here in Tuliota before I start talking to you in front of, in front of this room, right? Amazing. Crazy unless it's true. And if it's true, it's one of the most incredible things we could ever do. God, um, it's true. I believe it's true. And God, even as we sing these songs, God, we need you. We're calling on the same God. As we read through the Bible and we read these stories um, embedded within real history, these aren't some weird cosmic kind of fantasy people These were real people through the Bible that encountered you through seeking you. And we want to do that now. We want to do that in our lives. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would would speak to me and through me in this moment and that you would speak to each of our hearts in a way that you desire to, that we know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what I'm going to talk about today is just kind of four foundational truths about how we come to prayer in the first place, that shape that experience, all right? And then we'll build from there in the weeks ahead. So the first one is, uh, we're going to start with before we get to Matthew 6. The first one is something you've seen a lot around here. God is here, all right? You maybe have seen it on our social media during the summertime. People take pictures sometimes. I always forget. Uh, I admit I always forget to take the pictures. But to say God is here, and we say that when we're on vacations or we're traveling or wherever. God is here. In fact, around this church, you may have seen signs. My favorite one is in the men's restroom. It says, God is here. And I'm always like, sorry, Lord. You know, I mean, sometimes I wouldn't want to be here if I were you, but it's fine. All right. God is here. So for the Christian, for the person in relationship with God, a starting point with the reality of prayer is that God is here. Now, lest you think that prayer and experiencing God's presence is something just for kind of the sort of weirdos or those really extremely spiritual people, there was a king of Israel who managed geopolitical conflicts, who settled the land of Canaan and established a nation, reigned over thousands upon thousands of people, made decisions every day. His name was David. He was a great leader and a ruler and a king And he was a man of deep prayer and communion with God. And he taught the people of God about prayer, and he lived a life of prayer, and he welcomed us to follow his example in prayer. And here's what he said about God is here. 
In Psalm 139, 7 through 10, you'll see it on the screens or you can go there in your Bibles as well. He says, I can never escape from your spirit, which could sound like, I just want to get away. That's not what he's saying. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. Meaning, if I look up in the sky and I could get to the highest point I can imagine, I would find God is here. If I go down to the grave, and that uh, is actually speaking about like a pit. If I went down to the deepest pit I could find in all the land of Israel, and I went down into the deepest, darkest place that I can't even see the bottom of, down there I'd find God is here. You are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, which is saying whatever map we've drawn at this point in the world, which isn't the globe yet, all right, they haven't figured it out at all. But David says, the farthest distance I've ever heard anyone travel, if I got up in the morning and I started to travel and went as far as humanly possible, when I got to the end of my journey, whatever that would be, and I ran into the ocean and knew that must be the end of the world, I would find that God is here. Even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Now, one of the deep-rooted fears that hinders all of us in our ability to pray and talk to God is the fear that God is distant from us. Right? It's the fear that the circumstances of our life that may be really difficult convince us that God must be far away. Or the stuff that we've recently done in our life or even are presently doing, we in our mind, we think God must be far away. And that fear hinders us from being able to experience prayer the way that Jesus invites us to pray. But the reality is, there is never a distance to travel in order to be with God. There is never a distance to travel in order to be with God. God is here. And that's not just true right now, which kind of makes sense to you, because maybe like you felt a little something in your heart during worship, or maybe even right now, uh, you, you feel a little something like maybe you get a little goosebumps. No, no, not just here. I mean, wherever you go, highest heavens, lowest pit, farthest ocean, God is here. There's never a distance to travel in order to be with God. Because prayer, and I, you can write this down if you want, it's not in the digital guide, but prayer is not about your location. It's about your attention. Prayer is not about our location It's about our attention. God is here. The question is, am I here with God? And Jesus' teaching on prayer is we're going to look at Matthew 6 for the rest of the day. And Jesus' teaching on prayer really starts with that assumption that we understand that there's no place we go where God is not. That God is here. And so we're going to look for the rest of the day. We're just going to walk through Matthew 6 starting in verse verse 5. So let's go ahead and, and do that now. Matthew 6, verses 5 and 6 says this. When you pray. I like that he doesn't say if you pray. So Jesus here, it's a Sermon on the Mount. He's got a big crowd of people who've been following him. And he specifically is talking to his disciples about what it looks like to walk with him in his kingdom and in relationship with him. And in Matthew chapter 6 as a whole, he's talking about different religious things. Uh, Giving, fasting, and here in the middle, prayer. And with each of these, he's describing what they are supposed to look like in relationship with him versus what they often look like where they're done as religion without relationship. And so here as he speaks about prayer, he says, When you pray, 
Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. Pause there for a second. So Jesus is going to teach you about prayer and he's going to give two contrasts. Say pray, but not like these people and not like these people. And the first one is the hypocrite. Now, hypocrite, Jesus is borrowing from the Greco-Roman world a, a word to describe the actors, like street performers in the cities or the, the city theaters. A hypocrite is someone that is an actor, often a masked a- actor, costumed, saying scripted lines in order to be admired by people. So apparently, Jesus says, some people are praying And they are actors saying scripted lines in order to impress people. None of us, I know, but Jesus says there's people who are doing that. He says, when you pray, don't do that. Don't do that. He says, if you pray to be seen by people, that's the reward you get. You're seen by people. And we would never really want to do that. But I'll be honest that I learned to pray very young. I was around people who are like, oh, they're good at prayer. And I kind of learned their words, right, or their style. And I learned kind of early on how to be good at praying. And if I was here and I was praying with a group of people or I'm at a prayer time with a small group, well, I'm praying and I'm saying good stuff. You guys, listen. <laughs> I'm good at a lot of things. I know my stuff when it comes to what words to say to make everybody say, that guy's good at prayer, all right? But the problem is that where my attention primarily lied while I'm praying in front of that group is my attention is on that group and not to pray for them in the sense of minister to them, but to be admired and impress them. To not make a fool out of myself. To not have them think, oh, he's not very spiritual. He talks, he doesn't even say thou when he prays. Right? And there is this way in which we can learn prayer as scripted lines performed for a group in order to be impressive and not to embarrass ourselves. But Jesus says that can be a hindrance to the kind of prayer I want to call you to. Don't pray that way. Don't pray acting and saying scripted lines that you don't even feel in your heart in order to impress the people around you. Instead, he says, when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. I love this. Jesus doesn't say go to the temple, which for the Jews it would have made sense. Say go to the temple or go to the synagogue, which is kind of like a local church. No, he says go away by yourself to just be with God. And I think one of the principles there that Jesus is teaching, and again, this isn't in the notes, but that when we want to pray, it's less about where we go to and more about what we go away from. Right? What we go away from. And Jesus here says, go away from. Like, if you want to learn to pray like I desire, go away from the people that you're like, oh, did I say that right? Go, go and pray just you and God. Just talk to Him. Right where you're at, wherever you can go. Go away from the distractions, go away from the pressures, go away from the expectations, and just go be with God. Uh, Some of my 
favorite prayer times in my own life. And you can find your own things, but like going on a walk around my neighborhood and leaving my house. I love my family. I do, okay? I love them a lot. Latoya just said, wow. Okay? I'm sorry. But walking around my neighborhood and leaving my phone at home and taking a little walk for 15 minutes and just like thinking about God and trying to listen a little bit to Him and talk and say, ah, last night I did this. I was really frustrated about something in life and I was all at home. I was like, I'm going for a walk. And I walked a couple blocks with the Lord and I came back and I felt so different because I just told him, ah, God, this is really frustrating. I'm stressing out about this. Go away from the stuff to be with him. So don't be like hypocrites. And then he says, oh, also another, another one in verse 7 and 8. He says, when you pray, actually, wait, go back to that previous one. I don't want to miss this. The very end of that previous verse, it says, go and pray in private. Your Father who sees everything will reward you. And so let me just anchor that reality as well. That prayer begins with this fact. Where I am, there God is. And when I seek Him, I'll find Him. And you know why? Because He already sees me. And the reason I'm even seeking Him is because He's already here seeking me. The, the easiest game of hide-and-seek in the world, right? I play hide-and-seek with Maya. When, when I play hide-and-seek with Maya, I love playing hide-and-seek with her because I count to ten, ten, and then she goes, woohoo! <laughs> it's awesome! Woohoo! Immediately. And it's like the easiest thing ever. I just have to decide to seek her, and I find her. Right? She wants to be found. She's not even trying to hide. God is here. Go away from all the stuff and just decide to intentionally seek him and you find him. Why? Because he's already seeking you. It's like hide and seek, but there's two seekers. Super great access, right, to find one another. All right, so verse 7 and 8, he goes on and says, When you pray, don't babble on and on. And some of y'all are thinking that. You're like, yeah, Caleb. All right. <laughs> Latoya, I know she feels it. She's so nice. She doesn't say it, but she's like, that makes sense for him. Um, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do or other translations say the pagans do. It's a different way. These are people who aren't atheists. They also believe in a God or want to connect with a God. But what they have learned is by saying their, their words again and again and again, they think their prayers are, are answered, by the way. That's the word there. They think their prayers are heard and will be answered if they'll say it again and again and babble on and on and on. He says, don't, don't be like them. Why? Your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Well, that's kind of, I mean, we know that sort of, like we maybe heard that verse, but like, think about how crazy that is. Like, hey, God, I need, I know. Hey, God, I'm worried about, I know. Other religions have these gods without voice, without eyes to see, without a heart. That's, he, they're, they're not with you everywhere. That's the gods, of, the gods around Israel, the other people. The, the gods were distant. They were up on the mountain somewhere or up in the sky somewhere. Very busy. And so you'd say it again and again and again, hoping maybe the God would hear you. And Jesus says, that's not, that's not you. 
Your father knows what you need before you ask him. And so Jesus is saying, listen, prayer isn't about making God aware of what you need. And then I'm like, well, yeah, but I got my list. (laughs) What do I do with that thing? That's okay. Bring it to him. In fact, in Philippians, it says, make your requests known to God. But prayer isn't about making God aware of my need. Prayer is about me making myself aware of God with my needs. Me and my needs, we're already doing stuff. We're hanging out all the time in my stress, right? Me and my needs, we're always together. We're running around. We're worrying while we drive down the street. I'm trying to pay for them, right, by working really hard and figuring out everything and managing my life. I'm trying to solve that relationship. Me and my needs are always together. We're always doing this thing, and I'm always trying to meet them all. And prayer is, wait, wait, hey, me and my needs, why don't we pay attention that there is a God who is with me? Jesus says, so don't pray like the pagans, like God is far away and doesn't know anything about your life. Pray as someone who knows God is here and he already knows. All right, and so then Jesus says, now, let me teach you how to pray. Here's what he says, verse 9 through 13, and this is very familiar for some of us maybe. Um, Often it's called the Lord's Prayer. Pray like this, he says. And while I read it, I'm reading from the NLT, and for some, maybe you memorize it in a different version. It's okay. This is still it. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need, and those who sin against us... Oh. (laughs) Give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins... Also give food to the people that sin against us. That's also good. (laughs) Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, it's interesting because I just told you prayer isn't a script to memorize, to perform an act. And sometimes, this is called the Lord's Prayer, Um, sometimes this might be the first prayer that you learn and it becomes a script to memorize, to perform for everyone. And yet the context is Jesus says, that's that's not what this is. In fact, uh, there's a lot of prayers Jesus prays in the rest of the Gospels in his relationship as he models this life before the Father. And he never prays this exact prayer. He might have when he went off in the mountains and prayed by himself. I don't know. But we have a lot of prayers that say different words. So I think we're not necessarily to see that passage as a script to memorize, but as a pattern to follow. As a pattern to follow. And so for the last few minutes this morning, um, I just want to focus us in on the first line. Matthew 6, verse 9, which says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. So God is here, and I got three more things I'm going to highlight as we wrap up, or as we move towards the end. Don't get excited. We're not wrapping up yet. All right. God is here. God is holy. God is holy. May your name be kept holy is a statement to say your name in, in, the, in the ancient world, especially amongst the, the Jewish people, a name meant your reputation. What comes to mind when I think of your name is to be kept holy. So I approach prayer 
in this reality that God is here and God is holy. And holy means set apart, distinct, completely other than, distinct from all others around. You'll never meet a person like your God. He's holy. Now, we often think of holiness as something that makes someone distant from everyone else. That's not it at all. But he is a wholly different God that is right here in the midst of our lives. So when I come to prayer, God is here. God is holy. And that means that no matter who you're in a room with at some point in your life, it could be a president, it could be a king, it could be a celebrity, it could be your hero, whatever. The most important being in that room isn't them and it isn't you. It's God. He's holy. For the people Jesus is speaking to, when they think of the holiness of God and the presence of God, they think all the way back to when God moved with his presence into the middle of a tabernacle among them out in a wilderness. Or when God moved into the city, into the temple in Jerusalem during Solomon's day, that when God showed up, there was a fire that dis- distinguished God is here and he's a fiery, holy God that you humble yourself in front of. That if you and God are in the same room, you're not the boss. And it's not a fear that makes us run away, but it's a a fear or reverence of God that says, I want to honor the fact that God is here. And I want to submit to the fact that He's holy. He's other. So God is here. And the God who is here with you, wherever you're at, He is the holy God of perfection and power that we see in the Bible. Though He be invisible, He is fully present. So God is here, God is holy. And the third thing comes from that first line of that verse, which says, our Father. That Jesus, when he's teaching to pray, says, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. And this is that God is our Father. Now that's become sort of like kind of, oh yeah, I like it and it's really nice, right? It's like, That's really powerful that the God of the universe is present. The God of the universe is present as a holy God. And that holy and present perfect God is my Father. And is your Father. God is our Father. And I just want to give you some context here. And and this isn't in your notes, but you can ask me if you want later for some of these references. But Jesus loved to talk about the Father. He loved to describe for his disciples that their relationship with the God of the universe was not uh, like a stranger or a slave of God, but was a child of God. So Jesus describes the Father a lot, in, even in Matthew's gospel, and right around this passage we're looking at today, here's some of the things he says about our Father. That our Father is perfect. Our Father is better than the best of earthly parents. Our Father sees everything. Our Father rewards faithfulness, even that no one, the faithfulness no one sees. Our Father forgives sin, even the sin that no one sees. Our Father values us. Our Father knows what we need before we ask Him. Our Father cares for the birds and the lilies. How much more will He take care of us? Our Father knows the numbers of hairs, uh, number of hairs on our heads. 
our Father will give us what we need. So lest we kind of hear our Father and we equate it to something on earth that we've experienced, you never have to get the Father's attention or try to get him from be, keep him from being distracted by all the stuff he has to do. He's managing everything, and yet you fully have his attention. You don't have to make the Father pay attention to you or no, finally get him to understand what you need from him. He knows what you need. And you don't have to kind of navigate showing mercy to your father as, as he's got his own stuff like my kids have to do with me. He's perfect. He's perfect. So we come to prayer and we say, God, you are here. God, you are holy. And God, you are our father. And, and John, one of Jesus' closest disciples, uh, he, he says in 1 John 3 verse 1, he says, look how much the father loves us and he's called us his beloved children. And the last point that I want to make before we uh, begin to wrap up is, is, is this. It's tied to this being his children. Is that our God is here. He's holy. He's our Father. And he has welcomed us. He has welcomed us. When I approach prayer, what do I think? God is here. God is holy. God is my Father. And he's welcomed me. Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is praying and he says, No one knows what the Father's like except the Son himself and those that the Son reveals the Father to. So Jesus is praying and says, Hey, you know who knows what the Father's like? The people that I reveal the Father to. That the Father is, I'm showing you what the Father's like. And right away after that, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, he looks out at the crowd and says, Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. Come to me and find rest. Jesus says, I show people what the Father is like for them. And then he stands in the street and says, you're invited. Come to me. In Hebrews 4.16, um, the writer of Hebrews is looking back at the Old Testament and describing how people used to approach the very close presence of God, the throne of his grace, which was at the Ark of the Covenant. And in those days, once a year, the high priest, through a bunch of sacrifices to cover up all the sins, would be able to go in before the throne of God at the altar of the covenant and would be able to talk, be right in the presence of God. Once a year, one person. And the writer of Hebrews says, yes, but now because of what Jesus has done for us, every single one of us can do that every single day. And here's what he says, Hebrews 4, 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So we're starting the series on prayer, but prayer is really about how we approach God. That's what it starts with. And here's what I want to encourage you and I want to encourage me with. When you go to seek the Lord, when you come to approach him, you never show up as an uninvited stranger, hoping that maybe possibly he might open the door and welcome you into communion with him. Every time you set, we set our hearts to seek the Lord, we are an invited guest. Even more than that, we are a beloved child, and there's a seat at the table for us, and he welcomes us, says, sit down. It's right here waiting for you all the time. 
Now, the writer of Hebrews is writing to Christians. Some of them have wrestled with, you know, with, with rebelling against their faith. Other ones have compromised in some ways and even denied their faith and then repented later on. Like, they're not a bunch of perfect people. They're just like us. And the writer says, let us come together boldly to the throne of our gracious God. I love this quote from Nancy Myers. It says this, Who one believes God to be is most accurately revealed not in any statement of faith, but in the way one speaks to God when no one else is listening. No. I love statements of faith, and they're really important. But I like this reality that who, how do I speak to God when no one is listening? Because that's the best real picture of what I actually believe in my heart. A.W. Tozer says, what, and I've quoted it before, what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about each of us. So we come to an end this morning. God is here. God is holy. God is our Father. And He has welcomed us. God is here. God is holy. God is our Father. And He has welcomed us. At the end of our, of our services, after the message, we, we come to this time of response. And as we do that, uh, as we do that this morning, just to kind of set your hearts and minds towards that, if you're, if you're new or you've been here for a while, there's three ways that we respond to God together as a community, as a family. Um, one is that we have communion on each side here um, where we come together and we remember what Christ has done for us so that we can boldly approach the throne of grace every single day. So you can go and receive communion and celebrate the gift of God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Uh, there's places to give in the back if you don't already do so online, uh, to give with your offerings, your tithes. And as a church, we give not to earn from God, but we give as response to God, to His great sacrifice and love for us. And thirdly, um, up here on both sides at the crosses here, there'll be people there to pray with you. And maybe today you, you just want to say, hey, I'm struggling with prayer. Will you just have a conversation or pray with me about just, I want new life in my, my relationship with God. Or maybe you, you're saying, I haven't prayed in forever and I need to bring my needs before the Lord. And we'd love to do that together with you. Or maybe, maybe you've been checking out this whole God thing and trying to figure it out for a while. And today you feel something in your heart pulling you to say, I want today to be the beginning of a life of relationship with God. If that's the case, we'd love to talk with you and even pray with you about what Christ has done for each of us that we can all have that relationship forever. But prayer begins here. Giving attention to our Holy Father who is present with us and has welcomed us to be with Him. So let me pray for us. And then we're going to a song that says, Make Room, where we just say, God, you've made room for me, but God, I make room for you to just be with you, to not constantly be in a hurry, but to be with you, to seek you in prayer and in relationship. Lord, um, I thank you for your grace, your mercy, 
that you've poured out upon us. Lord, some of us don't even realize how much love you've poured out for us, and I pray that you would open our eyes to see it. God, I pray that you would, w- w- these four different realities, I pray that you'd reveal them to us. God, that some of us feel like you're distant. God, would you just open our eyes to see that you are here? God, some of us think you're just, you're, you're, you're kind of just average, you're ordinary. And, and God, would you open our eyes to see how holy and powerful and perfect you are? God, others of us, we see you as this angry, grouchy, authoritarian God that just can't wait to smash us whenever you can. And God, would you reveal yourself to us as a father who loves us? Who's welcomed us to live our lives together with you through prayer and in relationship? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.